welcome to the Polarized Podcast. I am your host, James. Come on in. We are talking about Silent Hill today. Uh, this is a podcast about polarizing movies, Silent Hill being one of them. Uh, these movies have divisive ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the audiences love it or critics hate it or vice versa. Uh, this, these are the things that we like to talk about. Um, these are a few of my favorite things or my least favorite things. I don't know. It's one or the other. Uh, some people like it. Some, some people hate it. And, uh, we found that it makes uh, for a good discussion here. That's what podcasts are about. They're about fostering good discussion. Um, and this is something that, uh, has been a fun venture for the both of us, but the both of us being not just me. But the ever so lovely brand, Ooh. great Brandini. Hello. Uh, Brandini, we got a Silent Hill movie we're talking about this week in our yeah, we uh, video game series. I don't Conclusion I I, of the video game series. I guess I didn't say scores yet, right? So it's got a 32% from the critics and it's got a 63% from the audience side of things. So uh, people disagreed on it. Critics hated it and the audiences were uh, more than lukewarm. They were pretty favorable, which is saying a lot for video game movies. Cause a lot of them we found, I mean, maybe not in this one and all the movies that we've done, there's some side that likes it. I think every time it's been the audience, uh, but we've, yeah, this is the completion of our series. what do we do? Like five movies. Uh, we know we, we did, uh, quite, quite a little run there. We started yeah. with Pokemon. We went to uncharted. We, then we did Warcraft and resident evil finishing up with silent hill. Uh, these, these yes. are the things we we've, we've been, uh, talking about, but before we get into the movie Brandini, yeah, I need to, I it. need to bring back a reoccurring segment on our podcast. That yes. The concert review. It concert reviews. Concert yes. review. Ba-do-do-do. Ba-do-do. So, okay. We've been yeah. away a little bit. Uh, this isn't just the only reason that we have yeah. like just a little bit of lapse in uh in our episode weekly episode thing we try to nail uh we took a little weekend brandon came up here and we went to a music festival for our uh for just for fun not to mention that is yeah. uh our good friend kalo's uh birthday who's been on past episodes like step up um mm-hmm. and uh what was the rom- we did a romance with him was it the fuck I forget which we did like a romantic movie with him as well. And beyond stuff. I mean, step up's pretty, pretty, it's definitely romantic, but not only about the love between two people, but the love of those two two people Uh, for the, for dance, for dance, the love of dance. Yes. I appreciate it in in that movie. But besides the point, we uh, took him to his first music festival. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had good food. We listened to great music, had some bevies uh you and i had a moment at idols that was like fucking transcendental um i i don't know i like what what would you highlight within our concert review this week about because you've just been on such a streak like uh how how does this one stack up like what was some favorite acts any uh interesting uh confections or anything any food and uh and like process of of festival i feel like you're a master of knowing these things now yeah. So, I mean, the festival itself was fascinating because it being on the golf course was a really interesting yeah, factor right, right into next it. to the Rose Bowl. Right next to the Rose Bowl on a golf course. Uh, really? Yeah. Ain't no tore picnic. Up my, For having a no lot of picnic. grass, it was ain't no picnic. 
ain't no picnic, but no, no, it was wonderful because yeah, like the, uh, bands that I've been meaning to see, I finally got to see them. It was such a festival for our tastes, uh, when yeah. it comes to music Great because lineup. yeah, just a really solid lineup. I really got to see LCD sound system in all of their glory by and large. And it was really wonderful to get to do that. Idols obviously is just so incredible. They're um, just on another level, man. I don't even know. Yeah. It's they're just so, making so different than anything else going on. They're making music that really stands out and is definitely worth checking out for anybody who's listening that hasn't heard them. Uh, yeah. Would definitely direct you towards listening to some idols music. That was really great. The food though. Yeah. So we, I mean, I, I've talked to you off mic, but the dune has stuck out because oh. I'm a huge <laughs> Mediterranean food fan, and my God, dune was so good. Yeah, this wasn't at the festival, but we we did a little yes. uh, thing. The food at the festival was I, I didn't partake too much in, so mm-hmm. I can't speak too much to it. I mean, I guess I was a little like I was being a little shitty about the fact that I wanted pizza, and the only pizza that was available was like thick crust. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, and I was like, ah, oh, I just, I wanted more, I wanted less crust, uh-huh. you know, when, when I'm at a festival, yeah. I really just want that hot, cheesy grease and just pepperonis. A, and a vessel for pepperoni and cheese. Just like, get, get yeah, that. I Mont- Monty's good burger was, was good. And you know, they had a home state, they had a queso from home state. That was pretty tasty. Mm. They had a natural wine, uh, yeah, bar which that, is a big deal. That was pretty popular. And, uh, yeah, that, that was that was fun. I mean, they, it was interesting to see places from around my neighborhood, like be in the music festival, but yeah, Dune was something that we did apart from the festival. And that's just one of my favorite places. I'm so glad you liked it. Uh, it's just like one of those things where you get this plate of little, uh, things like a bunch of little tasty things all separated and a great, and we just grazed on it, like mixing everything together, which is the speed that we were in after the festival. Cause yeah, just totally fucking toasted after that. A lot of it just had to do with, yeah, it's been hot. It's been such a fucking scorcher just all by and large. It's still hot, even though Mm -hmm. it's cooled down a little bit and gotten uh, down here. I don't know about you. I'm sure it's probably similar. It's It's like, it's humid as all hell. Uh, over got a bit of rain today. Yeah, same here. It's See, still so hot same. As shit, but it was. I walked out. I was like, still sweating. Like, yeah, even though it's gray there. outside, it's like fucking shit, man. Yeah, it feels like uh, Florida or something. Mm-hmm. You know, if we were on the Gulf Coast somewhere, you know, like your Florida Bamas. We're on the Bayou. <laughs> on the Bayou. <laughs> But, but yeah, I mean, uh, oh, by and large, oh man, it was great. It was yeah. great. I got to see Magdalena Bay. got to see Def Heaven. Uh, those are two bands that I've been really vibing on the last two years. Well, Def Heaven for longer, but like always wanted to see them. around a while, was, yeah. Yeah, so it was great. Um, it was, yeah, so wonderful to see Magdalena Bay too, because yeah, I've been, uh, them in particular have been really into their music uh, over the last year or so. And yeah, with the pandemic and all of that and just the festivals that they have scheduled have been ones that I haven't been able to go to. And, um, yeah, to see them, it's like they, yeah, they put on such a great show. It's very concise too, very, um, intelligent and well thought out. And the visuals are wonderful. So fun. Yeah. It was so fun. Really poppy and fun. And that's how, kind of how I felt about Kelly Lee Owens, someone that I always wanted to see. And that was like another just sort of, I don't know. I felt, it felt like spiritual or something. It's felt, it felt like, Mm -hmm. uh, 
was she was casting a spell on the audience and or whatever and just kind of getting taken taken away kind of forgetting where you are for a moment which is like what it's about i don't know a little bit oh, totally like getting lost in the dance we we're talking about was step up i became tyler gage or something i was just getting getting lost in that that dance i don't know if you would dance to kelly lee owens maybe but uh that was that was a fucking uh blast to do that with you my brother and uh yeah, I'm really glad, though, that you just brought up that factor of it, because that's something I strongly associate with my love for idols is like as I've gotten older, there's a lot of things that I'm considering more just like uh, my parents health, where I'm at in my life and just a lot of heavy things as I get older, because there's just been more time to like, you know, th have those things and consider those things. And like something that's really becoming so important to me is like when I'm music is so it can be it is so transparent portative or however whatever the right word is and like idols is one of those bands where it's just like it demands your attention so much it's i don't it's hard to really think about anything else when you're listening to it and that is something mm -hmm. that i'm starting to value more is that when i'm there it's like they're giving you so much and so giving into that and and being so present with them mm -hmm. in in those performances is just absolutely wonderful yeah, demands your demands it. your attention absolutely, and like one of the best front men I've ever seen, like in a show and like in a very long time, that just commanded the stage and the audience, and just had such an aura around him that just I mean all of all of all of them and the music they're playing and everything, but him is just like oh he's just I'm just like yes whatever you say let's fucking rage and it was great seeing you know a little bit of a mosh pit and sh and shit I don't know we go yeah. You know, we go to, we've gone to Coachella. We've been, you, you know, and you, you've been to a bunch of stuff. We've all, we've all been to a lot of concerts and stuff, but I guess that's just not something that, uh, there's just not a lot of mosh pits at, at, at a lot of the shows. I feel like I, I go to maybe there's not like they don't exist anymore. You just got to find them. But that was for me, someone who doesn't see it as, as often, like, right. cool. And then also he's like, make a line, you know, classic, like, like make or like separate from side to side open it up. And then I right after he's like, let's take care of each other. And then came, went into it. I was like, let's take care of each other. Be good. And then fucking like, let's rage also. And, and let out some, uh, some, right. some rage yourself, you know? And, um, oh. it feels so good and feels, he's just so fucking badass. Uh, James Murphy still sounds great. And the strokes and everything. <laughs> Julian Casablancas. And we can, we can wrap up concert review, but yeah, that was, such a fucking great show and i've been digging stroke so much but yeah he's such an interesting guy <laughs> he's like saying some yeah. interesting stuff in between songs and stuff it's like i know that's his bit but like i don't know he's like yeah he'd be joking about like killing himself and stuff yeah <laughs> right and just and singing that which there's yeah out of context it's it sounds weird but it just like yeah it was it was surprising <laughs> sometimes but he's just kind of he's fucking around he's just he's a he's a big troll um, yes and, uh, and apathy has always been a component of the like vibe of mm -hmm. the strokes as well so mm -hmm. it's unsurprising that there is a too cool for school attitude where yeah there i was critiquing it by and large especially because it was the same days as idol where it was like playing rock music and you're just and it's obviously like night and day how much more it seems like idols is cares about what they're doing than the strokes do and you know the, it, it turns into apathy for me a little bit where i'm like 
do they even want to be here? Is this something that like interests them? Or, you know, I start to think a little bit of, is this more of just a paycheck or a thing that they feel obligated to do because of some contract or whatever, as opposed to like, yeah, providing a, a, a presence of being present and wanting to be there. And yeah, it's just something that's not really existent in, in the Strokes uh, live set, but it's like, I mean, it's they got, still like, I don't know, great like music. rock star kind of attitude in its own way, just a different kind of breed, yes. breed of it, of just kind of like, and so in a lot of their music in certain ways, like can represent that as well of just kind of like, I don't belong or what's the deal. What's it's yeah. It's very giant Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> it's very <laughs> like, what's the deal. And that's what he was doing a lot in between songs. He just like, he just be like, Hey, what's the deal with Pasadena? No, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm off. I'm off base now. Uh, but could you imagine? And <laughs> yeah, see Earl, <laughs> Earl sweatshirt, Courtney Barnett. Those are, those are two that I like never seen before. Yeah. Love that angel Olson, of course. And, um, yeah. It was a bitch to get out. I don't know, but not as bad as those burning burning man lines I see where it's like 10, I know. 10 hour waits to get out of there. And that made me feel a little bit better of like us being stuck in like an hour or two and just trying to get out of the. Yeah. Of could the you imagine oh. golf course? But yeah, I could only yeah imagine just sitting in after a whole week of burning man. And then you just got to sit in your car for 10 hours <laughs> the whole time. Just like, I want to be home. I want to get out of here. Get me out of here. Uh, so that's been concert review. Thank you for joining us. We're uh, heading on back to the main feed now to talk about something very different <laughs> and not as fun for most people uh, in, in terms of content matter. But this is uh, the, the movie Silent Hill based on uh, a video game. Again, we've been doing movies based on video games, adaptations, um, you know, and uh, video games have been around a certain amount of time and so the movies about them have been around a certain amount of time this movie itself is you know we found in this period i feel like we've we had we covered two saw movies what year is what year is this movie 2006 six yeah six mm -hmm. that's kind of around saw fever kind of around that oh, like, yeah. sort of like uh totally a there's torture, a reason this movie got made when it did torture porny sort of like edgy sort of uh just like scary horse uh, stuff yeah sort of sort of stuff like the what is um Lionsgate kind of movies yeah legendary pictures of times and now Blumhouse who's really taking the reins on making a movie like this for sure yeah and this is but this is yeah like that sort of tw it's twisted you know it's, yeah especially at the end there's a lot of barbed psychological barbed wire we'll get to that uh but it just it's like edgy and something you'd see I know I always bring up the hot topic thing but that was just something that like Mm -hmm. That sort of style and everything at the time was a great way to rebel. And it's cool to see emo music kind of come back around in a way. I don't have to equate these things, but it's just like that sort of style was cool to I, to us at the time, I think, as well. And I, I know we were both big fans of like AFI and you go like been to like Warp Tour and shit. And that sort of that sort of style and, and video games. We talk about Resident Evil. Um, it's interesting to see these sort of edgy things being made at the time like max Payne was a video game around the time too i think that was pretty dark and yeah. these and these dark stories within video games and uh yeah so I, I guess it'd be good to just kind of preface with some of the video game um and yeah what, so what that was to culture video game culture and everything and i know you spent a lot of time leading up to this episode <laughs> digging into some of the lore and as yep. and I mean, we can talk about how impo fucking impossible it is to play these games right now. 
but you took the time to do some research. Yeah, absolutely. So to talk about like to easily transition from what you're saying about the hot topic, the horror, the gore, the type of movies that were being made at this time. So uh, a fundamental part about the video games and what obviously gets us to this movie is, is that, um, also Japanese horror. Sorry to to make yeah. Jap- like the grudge and the ring and stuff. I, I wanted to mention that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's that's good to mention because that's that's what gets us to um, a lot of crossover and a lot of interest from an American audience into Japanese horror and Japanese content in general. And just, and you know, too. and then and video games is the other thing. Yes, exactly. So like, uh, a fun, you know, in in understanding like where Silent Hill is a game came from and, you know, what are its. Um, like what are the homages and things that uh like are fundamental to the story of the video game and where do they come from where are these uh, concepts and um so this video game silent hill was made by konami and konami was looking uh for a success uh, similar to what Capcom got from Resident Evil. Resident Evil was a really big game we talked about in last episode, if anybody wants to check that out. But just like understand Resident Evil and Silent Hill are very similar um, when it comes to, you know, core game mechanics and uh, the ethos or like, what, you know, the genre that it is uh, hunkering down and focusing and creating a game and story around. And so... Resident Evil and Silent Hill are the byproducts of a influx of American uh, culture into Japan, which you can understand like it didn't happen very quickly. Uh, A lot of it happened through exports of technology from Japan into America. But when it comes to exporting culture from America to Japan, it took a while. And so it wasn't until like the late 70s, early 80s that you started to get some more fringe or some more salacious or um, not necessarily pop culture-esque, but like things that are becoming pretty popular in the U.S. that We talked uh, about uh, Pokemon, you know, that was, we talked about that or touched on that in Pokemon as well totally absolutely yeah the just the you know there's a lot of you know this globalization is happening around you know the 70s and 80s in the world and you know we're just we're seeing so much of different uh yeah ex- exports and imports of culture amongst countries so and i J- think that japan was- is such a big or just a they produce so much culture and so much pop culture and media they do. And they have uh, an interesting and unique sensibility that is often pretty definitive. And you can understand like, oh, because of maybe what they focus on or how they tell the story, you, it is very J- Japanese. And um, but for so for this, for Resident Evil, Silent Hill, all, both of these are byproducts of a growing interest. And this is kind of to the hot topic why this is some I know it's lengthy, but why the transition made sense to talk about this off the bat is that the occult so um in the 60 late 60s 70s and then when in the 80s uh as a huge fan of this topic just by and large i love cults i think cults are so fascinating um and that and the those are cropping up more in the 70s there's a lot of great documentaries like if you were if you were to look at how many like When most of the biggest cults that you know about start, a lot of it is in the 70s, because if you just think about reality and society, as in things were very um, 
nuclear family into the end of the World War II. And the baby boomers like our parents were born into a generation that allowed hippieism to happen, which is really a rebellion. Well, I would argue is because it comes through uh, freedom of time. So when you have as we and we are getting further and further like into this, and that's why it's becoming so and so more popular and prolific of mental health and uh, purpose, life coaching, those kinds of concepts are really big now and they will continue to be because I my I'm positing this, but I'll get back into the facts of the matter. But as we have more free time as a society because we have moved uh, past everybody in the family needing to work a shitload, we are allowing ourselves more freedom to think about what we want and what we like and what we love. And when we are thinking about those things, we can be really susceptible for somebody to come in and tell us like, oh, this is a better way to live your life or this is how you should live your life. And it leaves uh, your mind door open to people to come in and go like, oh, you see, you feel lost. You feel like uh, directionless. Well, let me help you because I have, as a cult leader, have figured it out and I will guide you along that. So we have saw such a huge rise in the occult and uh, cults in general, occult being like thinking about like Satanism or associating mythological things um, and pass uh, like uh, like paganism, like also past ideologies, bringing them to the present and then like applying them in more of a modern sense. And so, yeah, you just so Japanese culture was getting a huge import of American occultism and it was really taking off. And you saw a lot of manga in Japan starting to get like kind of horror, uh, a horror spin or a psychological thriller element to it. And people being more interested in this, what kind of uh, the hot topic of it all of like counterculture, like things that aren't pretty nuclear yep. family. That's what more I was so say, yeah, counterculture for sure counterculture and so and then uh, and i i set up you know just my overall philosophy and this is also what is happening in japan as well as like you just people are are having more of freedom to uh think about their psyche and think about their emotions and uh will gravitate towards answers and possibilities. And, you know, I think uh, I'll just pause at this. I don't want to get too much into it, but that's why I think so we have seen such a huge rise of things like QAnon and conspiracy theories is because we have a lot of free time and we're trying to figure out answers to our lives. And when we have a lot of free time and a lack of direction, you can get to places like the earth is flat or, you know, QAnon exists and things like that, because yeah, it just, all of us are looking for purpose. And when our purpose relies less on our work and needing to survive, it really opens us up to a lot of good things about thinking about love and relationships. I think we've seen uh parenting change in, in a lot of good ways of being less like I'm going to beat you if you don't, you know, do well in school or go to work or whatever. And more so of like, okay, so you're rebelling. Like let's, you know, why, why do you feel that way? Oh, cause you're at that age. That's fine. This is how you maybe think about things and whatever. And you just, we've seen such a huge evolution over time of, uh, psychology, uh, mental health and all of that. But now to bring it back again, I don't want to, uh, you know, get too in the weeds cause I could do it forever. But like, 
So the occult is becoming really popular in Japan. And so we, uh, you see uh, Capcom, the developers that made Resident Evil, capitalize on that because they had already been reading some uh, mangas that have come out that are about uh, witches, uh, Satanism, uh, pagans. uh, Also, murder is also on the rise as well. So again, like if you were to look at cults, uh, and how many crop up during the 70s, you also see the rise of serial killers and you also see the propagation of serial killers actions because TV is focusing on it. And so there's all of these different factors that are happening, not just in the US, but also in Japan of like hearing about people getting murdered by people. And so much of that is unaddressed mental health and so on. And I've already talked about my point. But anyways, so the occult. So they're bringing, they're taking all of these uh, elements of uh, of the occult and bringing it into a video game and the success of resident evil, uh, made it viable for other studios to be like, well, we should, you know, we should do this. We should uh, capitalize on this obvious demand for this type of content. And, uh, Konami then delegates to a core group of people to work on something, you know, similar to resident evil. And so we get a team that, ultimately create silent hell the first video game and this movie is very similar to the plot of that um and i would say yeah if we were to all a majority of the references that are made in silent hill are towards the first one and i don't i almost want to say like how should we describe what the first one is and then get into the movie or should i just leave it at that and just being saying like understand that horror occult big in japan this game silent hill does really well huge hit and uh yeah it it goes on to make a bunch of other games because obviously like this is before this movie comes out and even though it shares a silent hill the first video game shares the closest relation to a lot of the stuff that's in there it does take in it, it takes getting to the third one for it to get to the point of making a movie, but all three of them up until that point are wildly successful. And, Oh, I guess I would just then like, and James, now we can uh, have the dialogue about it, about like, what is, what are some core concepts of the video game and why do we like what works and like, what is cool about it? So I, I know both of us haven't been able to play it. And so now maybe I'll mention it now is like Konami has been known to be a fucked up company in the sense of like just mismanagement and whatnot. There's a, a lot of uh, information about that when it comes to Kojima. Uh, Hideo Kojima is a video game a director and developer for anybody who doesn't know. Very, 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 very famous video game uh, developer, director. And he left Konami because of a lot of uh yeah mismanagement uh, lack of direction um just overall the company itself even though it has had some big successes i think a lot of that has just it's one of those companies now in my mind reading about it where it has capitalized on trends and just ridden that to the bank it's not necessarily as much about oper- creating a company that fosters necessarily innovative stuff but you just have you have some wins, but you have a losses as well. And so, yeah, but nonetheless, Silent Hill, the game, pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, they left uh, a Silent Hill game that could have existed, you know, that they were going to come out with on the table uh, when he left as well. And there, there's a playable teaser PT mm-hmm. uh, for Silent Hills, the game that had Norman Reedus in it and Guillermo del Toro. 
And it's interesting to think that he went on to create Death Stranding, which I'm sure has plenty of like elements of other games of his that I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, maybe similar story story elements that are from I've heard some people theorizing that is autobiographical in certain ways, which inevitably is going to be with a piece of art. It's just a matter of if you can tap into and, and notice those things. And he's been creating things for long enough. He got a blank check, if you will, for for that game. Um, and it, I'm so grateful for that piece of art and what he's done with that. And I, that game alone, which is one of my favorite games to ever exist has uh, like made me embark on trying to find a way to play more of his games. He seems like a very fascinating person. That's nothing new. He has been for a very long time. He's been doing fascinating things um, in his own way, in his own voice. I'm, you know, he got to start with Konami. It seems like it was in not the most, it was a little more of an acrimonious sort of, uh, break up between them and, and separation. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to see an amazing artist use that as fuel for something else, uh, using the same, you know, people he wanted Norman Reedus. He, he has an idea in his head of who he wants to be in his, his stuff. And he enacts that, that vision in, in a very auteur way. Uh, I have to like give that little shout out. I think you set us up perfectly for where we are in the movie. I think going down the road of right now going and PC piecemealing each difference between the two, I think we can do as if there's anything that comes up in our discussion of the movie plot and everything, we can kind of mention like, Oh, that was different in the game and this, this way and that. Um, but I think you set us up very well in terms of like where we're at creatively and not only video games, but also how that transcends to movies where this is an adaptation of a video game, but it's also, and a representation of a trend that is occurring at this time, which I think is pretty great that we were able to talk about resident evil and, and that rise. And we were able to play a couple of those games. You and I, um, different, different games and compare notes on, on that. And that was a really fun process. And I think it set us up us both up to be ready for a conversation like this as well about a game that while I didn't play seeing the playthroughs, it does remind me a lot of, watching you play some of the original original resident evil with the pre-rendered backgrounds the fixable camera angles not all the time but a real focus on these cutscenes and story elements that i don't know were just so novel and uh just it's just amazing that something like that was made i as you know as a white American male and everything it's, it's, it's Japanese folklore is just, it's interesting because it is, it is different than from what I know. And when they talk about spiritual things and surreal elements and dark forces of dark spirits of nature and things like that, it comes from a different place. And it, it just, does. and it's just is interesting for that way, whether it's a Miyazaki movie or a Murakami book. Uh, and the, it's, it's just coming the, the folklore is is rife in some of these stories, and for someone who's unfamiliar with with some of those things, it, it comes across as just so uh, interesting in terms of like, oh, I've never seen anything like this before. For it to influence American culture, uh, and at the time, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, it's like, oh, it's like Resident Evil, like, oh, this is the reason that 
it's able to be made into a movie and it is so immensely popular and it is such challenging material uh for a video game you know it's like you i I don't know and that that just excites me about video games not only video games but art and uh media like that and in general the and this whole process in this uh series of ours the process of adaptation is is constantly a fascinating thing for me in terms of adapting things whether it's like yeah we did like rent adapting like a stage play to a movie it's so interesting to compare like notes of those two different things and i and i appreciate that you seem to enjoy that as well and you took the time and effort to bring us i think like yeah a great introduction to this this world that we're about to step into and um yeah it's uh it's it's pretty similar in the opening to the first video game right minus you know there's there's a couple and uh it's it's a woman that plays the main character rather than a man in the video game i guess would be off the bat a a difference um but that plays so well into the movie i i feel like because there's a lot to do with mothers and witches and femininity and uh and like using or like uh casting that out in in terms of like yeah obviously like witch hunting and and all that stuff and this you know occult occult you know this that that's behind it all but i think that that caters well to the overall story and then you got Sean Bean kind of uh doing the the legwork the doing that real what what is it called <laughs> like that I forget what the movie I I can't remember right like burning like burning he's burning rubber it's something like that shoe leather he's like something shoe leather where he's just walking he's going around he's doing he's doing all the stuff behind the scenes and I I love him I'm not sure what his accent is I it's like oh he is an American guy oh no he's it's like he like moved to America <laughs> which I'm fine with he's he's a great actor yeah um totally but what do you th- yeah so this opening scene is just it gets kind of right into her the little girl screaming Silent Hill near a waterfall she's like about to throw herself off and the mother is like looking for her and chasing her down um yeah, yeah. uh no so right off the bat it was like it was a I was a little scared about the way that this movie was going to play out because the way that it was presented was very salacious, like a uh, horror movie that we kind of mentioned some of the horror movies that are really popular at the time, because the uh, mother is uh, like in little clothing and she's like running around mm. and uh, um, like, is half the movie of her running and yelling Sharon. The running is fine out thereafter, but you just, yeah, you're because I, there are a lot of horror movies that start with a white woman in little clothing running around. And so I was just like, oh, okay. Like, is this, you know, is this the, the vibe that we're going for? Because then it's very uh, upsetting because the core component of the game when, you know, just like we've talked about with all of these video game movies is like, it is very important to at least nail down the the vibe uh, at least nail down um core components of the game that are the reason people like it and 
people have never played Silent Hill and been like, oh, I want, you know, I want more sexiness to it or I mm. want it to be you know, salacious. So that was off putting. And then also, too, it just I was laughing because like I'm in that It'd be vibe like right more now. in like the Resident Evil vein of things like, oh, we got to ju- juice it up, you know, with, juice with, it up. Yeah. The, the Yeah. And it doesn't help them that it continues where I was just th- so like flabbergasted by setting of where we're at because the movie starts it, do, it doesn't show i don't anything. know how a child can run by herself to a waterfall if that's what you mean <laughs> that is what i I'm guess just at, live, yeah. they just live live next, next, to, next a, to a waterfall a road so they live yeah. next to a waterfall a road a cliff and she runs down the back of her house to the road which then she looks across because there's an enormous ravine and like mm-hmm. then sharon is like on a cliff on the other it's side like a second so waterfall she, yeah or it's like a really big one yeah. and it was the most bizarro like collection of things where you're like there's a road there's a waterfall there's like a where's their house like and then you see the house later yeah. and that doesn't make any sense because it's like in a residential area i'm like so you telling me like your backyard just has a trail that goes down to an enormous cliff and (laughs) (laughs) that has a waterfall yada yada i'm like oh my god what are we doing here because the game is set up in the way where you are the game would start with her and sharon driving to silent hill that's where the game would start it wouldn't have the scene that we get in the beginning followed by this like almost like Lord of the Rings ask scene by them just sitting underneath this, this tree and it's all gold. And they're just talking about how like, Oh, Hey Sharon, you're talking about that silent Hill place again. And they're just having this tender moment where the mother is like, has her back against this huge Oak mm. tree. And then Sharon is like on her like stomach or whatever. And she's like drawing right. or whatever. And it just is so bizarre and out and of that, character for the like game. a drawing thing or something happens is like it, in the game, what is the father's reason for going to Silent Hill? Is it for a vacation? Is it for him to discover something? It's not for so the, it's, it's all, not for the same reason. It's not because she's finding the nearest waterfall and screaming Silent Hill, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. So the game stereotypically starts with something calling the playable character to Silent Hill or mm. calling them to like the world that Silent Hill ends up being a part of. Mm. Like something is luring them in and we are as the playable character are like, I'm answering a message. I'm going to answer a call about uh, in the first one. It is about their daughter and uh, you know, they're, the daughter is like missing. I can't remember exactly, but they're like are the male playable character in the first one is getting called to Silent Hill to yeah rescue the daughter or something to that effect, which is very similar to this movie. But regardless, you're in, usually in transit to Silent Hill or to this uh, other world that silent hill kind of represents it looks like he's just taking her uh for a vacation which i i think that's how the second one is too he's and from my memory of like the reviews or uh he's it was like a place that him and his wife used to go on vacation or something like that and he's going to he's going back yeah but there's yeah I, I, missing i know what you mean yeah. where there's like a calling like yeah yeah I just like wanted, we knew. it's it's like a vacation then you get there and shit's fucked up 
but this is right. but this is different yeah it starts with immediate horror immediate like uh sort of thing where she's taking matters into her own hands not telling sean bean and just kind of doing it and then like telling him after the fact like i'm taking her there we got to figure this out we got to get to the bottom of this why does she keep saying this this place and she doesn't really have any connection to it beyond that right it's just kind of like a it's just a place that and then he's like he goes on and it's cool to see like old web page where he goes on to like ooh haunted towns of america and then he sees silent hill is it georgia is that where they're at? Mm-hmm. uh virginia virginia and that's like one of the pictures he's like did you see the website did you see it and that was like such a big deal this like shitty looking website of like oh it's for sure fuck like it's it's so haunted look at that website it's, offi- it. it's officially on that website <laughs> he's just straight up gaslighting her just being like did you actually read anything or are you just being crazy and running away to silent hill and it was yeah that she their was dynamic was fascinating help. because like sean bean is his whole stance at this point is well, she obviously needs professional help. And then his wife is like, we should take her to the place. She's screaming in her fever dreams. Yeah, and then him not years. being on board with that, which is like totally understandable. <laughs> like, this movie, I, I mean, this movie in these games is like all about trauma, but yeah, that like for someone to be like, Oh, she needs to come. This child needs to come face to face with whatever this trauma is. What a, yeah. Um, and then, yeah. Do these drawings of like, yeah, like there, there's like a kid, there's like a school with kids. And then in one of her fits, she like turns it into like a prison with flames coming out. Cause that, and that's of course foreshadowing and, and all that. I think the girl has a very creepy look to her where I don't oh, know, she yeah. looks like somehow old, older than, or like it, or just like her eyes are, are very like doe eyed and just kind of like pierced. Almost through. all black. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I don't know. And, she, she, I thought, I thought she might have been the girl that gets torched in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like she's grown that, like that girl <laughs> grown up, but she just has that like kind of similar uh, bone structure, facial structure as that. But you know, you get a creepy kid in there where it's saying creepy things. Uh, uh, I think something that was off-putting that maybe is contributing to this, man. I'm, you know, don't mean to uh, like tell you how you're feeling, but something that stuck out to me that made it creepy is that the girl is obviously like, I would say, fifteen-ish or whatever, maybe a little bit younger. Um, not by much, though. Like, which girl? Right? The young girl? I, yeah, like she's got to be like thirteen, maybe. No, she's younger than fifteen. I don't. She's she's young. I. I, I, I weirdly, I didn't get the sense that the actress was that, but then the girl, obviously who she's playing is seven years old or something like that. But that, mm-hmm. that actress wasn't seven. And so in my, I guess, regardless of what actual age she was in the movie is there was this, Maybe that's weird what was discon- weird. like you couldn't really pin it because yeah. Right. And, and- Cause there was a disconnect between like, she is too old to be acting like this because she would just talk in such baby language where you would catch Mm. her like when they're driving to silent hill of being like i sleep and oh you know like i don't like that i don't like mommy i don't like that and then but then she yeah in my mind she seems like she's 13 years old and i'm like wait yeah it just it seems so bizarre like she was maybe arrested development i we've also been uh told this which is yeah i'd say uh, like like 10 or something i don't know i don't know yeah yeah um but so we've been told as an audience that member that 
the girl is adopted as well. So that is something that is important to the plot because there's a lot of connections that end up. Yeah. Stemming from the fact that she isn't, she hasn't always been their child. This isn't one of those situations where like she was possessed. I think she was 12. I think I figured it out. 12. So yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but didn't the, wasn't the, wasn't the character supposed to be younger? Right. 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 I think so. Yeah. Or they, yeah, they like, especially with how she spoke and then, but then it's hard because she is like playing multiple parts kind of near the end where she's like playing a demon (laughs) or whatever. And she's like, yeah. So fascinating too, that they don't say what it, the entity is. And I like that because Mm -hmm. that is like the game Mm -hmm. is that, you know, we're about to go on this journey in this movie that is that references hell, but it never aside from marketing materials never says hell like it isn't it's a different place it's more am, ambiguous yeah, it's more it's like of another a, dimension another dimension in which it another really dimension, la- another dimension another dimension um and intergalactic planetary yeah so i so like the little i i do know about the game i i did my little uh view of a video about some story plots but like from having game magazines when i was a kid and being like "Ooh, i want that game i my parents are never gonna get it for me it's too scary i had a playstation one but i'm never gonna play silent hill or resident evil unfortunately and i knew there was fog i knew there was fog and that's and and i think they they did pretty well with like when she you know, we can we can talk about her running with uh, with cop lady. Uh, striking, striking person, man. I was like, she yeah, she's like is a female Terminator almost. She Lori has such Holden a strong as Sybil Bennett. I, I don't know her for much. I think she's, she's really, a strong. Jawline. She's really great. Um, yeah, she's, she's, not not she's just a cop. I'm sorry. She's just a cop. I don't have yeah. to I don't have to say lady (laughs) i'm just real white i'm sorry i'm (laughs) sorry it doesn't matter she just uh she has i don't she she looks like a like a character like she she just like has this look about her that like is almost like iconic of like and she she cuts such a striking figure figure in her aviators her helmet her collar is like a little like one button down and she kind of has like really tight jeans yeah yeah and she speaks in kind of like a in a way that it's, I, I don't know. It's like I, confident. Yeah. But it's also on the verge of, which I'm not sure if this game could have used more or less of, I was just trying to, at a certain point I was kind of trying to pinpoint of like it's campiness and she adds like a nice little level of like, yeah, this is like, this is a character like in a game almost too, but it's not so, so wooden, Excellent point wooden, though. Wooden yeah. And everything like there's a lot of times you'll, we'll see these game adaptations like, Oh, they're just like acting like a video game character, very wooden and everything, but she's got to like, it's all very informed and she's making good decisions with her character, but also adding like, I don't know. She almost seems like she's out of a Stephen King book or something too, or, uh, or material where she's just has, has such a way about her. And, and she has a run in with our main character. And I guess I was like my first main question. And the first time I was like, I don't know, like not what, not what's cut, going on. Yeah. Not completely <laughs> on board is like, why is she running? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like, because, why does she run? Why does she have to run? Yeah. Cause 
she's just so convicted in bringing mm-hmm. her child to Silent Hill that no one is going to stop her. But yeah, it. On the flip side, though, it adds a cool element to where mm-hmm. it the cop isn't the problem. Like just like Sean Bean of it all is really the mother is the problem, and these people are acting really normal mm-hmm. about the situation. It's just that's not who we're aligned with for this story. So we're along, which is a very interesting, you know, uh, play that is happening because the journey that we do go on is so unrealistic. And yeah, to be on her side or that's who our surrogate is. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a cool layer because, yeah, all the interaction with the cop just makes sense. Like the woman, you know, our main protagonist, what is her name? It's Rose, Rose, I think. And that tracks with the game too. I I love that, especially reading or watching about the second one is that unreliable main character protagonist that is just like kind of losing their mind and like knowing i don't want to spoil the second one or anything but finding out the ending of that game and knowing you're that main character and everything you go through it's and I'm, i know i'm touching on it a little bit but it's like I, it makes me so happy to know that games like that exist that they're forcing you to not be the hero in, in a lot of ways, you're just a troubled person. And I like a lot of in Silent Hills dealing in people with trauma and, and they're troubled and they're getting this call and they're then they have to come face to face with it. And this world that is presented to them that. Yeah, that flips in a way that is like so fucking grotesque and disgusting to look at, but also, yeah, like what? guess i'm just touching on that of like what did you think of that side of things like so i kind of touched on like the fog that was that was pretty pretty well done but like uh if i'm jumping too far ahead but let me know but if what do you think of like the transition into the world and those kind of effects and that accuracy to what you know of of the game and like the what would you call that the under what do they call on stranger things or whatever the upside down oh, the upside down yeah the upside down <laughs> or it, mm-hmm. i don't know it, it was almost like twin peaksy too of, of crossing over into this yeah. surrealist surrealistic sort of place that uh is you're just trying to find the meaning of um but did you was that something that worked for you not entirely in the mm-hmm. movie. So just yeah. to talk about the, you know, the fog is really iconic to the series. And the reason the fog Gosh. existed in, in the first place is that it was a uh, graphical limitation. So it was the way that they were able to design a more 3D totally. world. Uh, That's genius. Is that, is that the they would limit the the scope to what was inside the fog so then they didn't have to render they it would render as you move through so you were able to put less graphic like you didn't have to make the whole thing present and visible totally. you just would have whenever you come into it then it would you materialize absolutely and so yeah. it was based on a graphical um limitation and but it's like iconic to the franchise because it is one of those things that typically happens and we you know resident evil is a good example of this and just overall like these japanese games is or games made by japanese companies is that 
they find such wonderful and interesting ways to like it's not a bug it's a feature like to turn a a limitation into a mechanic in the game yeah. that ultimately serves the purpose of what the game is about mm-hmm. because yes even though it was a graphical limitation to have too much uh populate like adding fog into it also adds a lot of tension and and makes it scarier because you're not able to see that far away in the game and you ever things will come out of the fog and get you and it's not something that you can see coming from far away and that inherently is really intimidating and scary and full of tension that there are things lingering outside in the fog that are just waiting to jump out and get you and to hurt you and to kill you and um the fog in this was it was cool in some ways for sure but there wasn't so i guess the point why and i why i bring up that anecdote about like how it's used in the game is that i i didn't get a real sense that the fog stuck with us to the point where things were popping out of it Mm. it was it looked good in in situations like you know when we're in the car getting out it it, it was somewhat effective when the cop comes and greets you, but the way that it was shot is it was more so like the scare happens, like we're in the car and then they arrive mm. as opposed to like totally coming out of the fog totally. and being outside mm-hmm. and whatnot. And there weren't a lot of situations where a monster would come out of the mm-hmm. fog that didn't really happen. So like, I just, that, that's my gripe with it is like, that's yeah. Especially in the first one, that is such a, core part of the game is that you will be walking through a town that is heavy in fog and then a monster will jump out of the fog and get you and you never saw it coming mm-hmm. and that's a and that's and yeah and part of the game and so yeah like i agree i but i don't want to be too disparaging because like visually just in a movie sense i did dig the shit out of the fog stuff mm-hmm. because it looked good um because there's parts in this movie that for me that didn't look great especially once yeah. we get into like Totally. The nether Silent Hill over. itself and the, and the street and everything. It was like, oh, this, you know, yeah. and, and again, after just watching Resident Evil, where it's like they just missed the mark on on a lot of stuff. You know, some of the Umbrella Corp stuff like looked OK. They had a moment in the mansion in Resident Evil. But this at least, you know, was more on the side of being pretty faithful yeah. to what what the game seemed to look like and look like in the uh, they seemed to tap into the appeal what was appealing about the game more so in this one than some of our other uh adaptations that we've covered and that's something that Great. i already want to begin to give it give it credit for uh but you know i i you you get the cop coming after her well she gets she runs her motorcycle off the road uh and we start we lo- also and, add and the accident point give- uh, with the mom and the and uh sharon yep. after they see the ghosts of uh, you know, what appears to be Sharon in the road. And then she crashes, wakes up, loses Sharon cops also crashes. And, uh, after she, she takes like one trip around and looks around, I believe, and then comes back to the car and is trying to like contact her husband. And then that's when the cop, uh, what is her name in, in the movie or her character's name? Uh, Sybil shows up and, and then that's where she gets handcuffed. And then, it starts to be revealed to Sybil what's actually going on. And you get kind of a big run in with like a one monster. And then like, you see the bigger group and, uh, and her kind of process of discovery into what's happening and them working off each other. Um, 
Yeah. And then uh, she like gets her, she gets spewed on with this like black goo that's like burning. She's got to take her cool jacket off her helmet and then she looks even cooler like underneath she's yeah. got this cool haircut and blonde yeah. short hair i was like wow what a <laughs> she, what? she a looks cool like a character person. like a comic book I, I don't know she's just got such a cool look whoever like put that her look together and you know i'm sure it's based off of a character in the first one yes that's true yeah so they were they were going with that and it was fully realized it was and and i, I thought i thought she was really great and um they work there. They kind of run into shelter, and this is where shit like transforms, right? Or, or uh, one of the first like transformations, and when you see Pyramid Head when they're locked in that room, and he's swinging that sword through the door, and the leech, the leeches things with those fucked up faces are, are screaming when you smush them. It's like you, you're starting to get into fucked up shit. It goes pretty fast. I like how you you're you're in yeah. Silent Hill pretty quickly in this movie. Like it gets right into it. There's no time. There's no real too much of a preamble. Uh, Sean Bean yeah. is already like you fucking left. We need we didn't talk about this. Like there was no there was no time. She just goes. Um, and then I thought as quick as it gets into it, it also kind of paces out actually going into the world pretty well. But this is also the beginning of I think yeah some of the not so great effects which actually do look like a video game uh around that era of like the th- i see what they're conceptually trying to do with the tearing away and making it look like ash and every single time they transition into the next world uh but it just it's it's a little muddy sometimes and it's a it's it's too much to process and it could be simpler uh yeah. than, than they try to make it the pyramid head guy looks great and looks great that's like a huge scary such a big part to nail a lot of scary monsters on this and they nailed it yeah and the monster like the one that's like it's like a straight jacket but it's all like gooed up and it's got a mouth yeah like Uh, really fucked up shit that sticks with you and yeah yeah but also another point i was going to bring up was the music which um you know we just came off of like some resident evil. If I'm going to keep on making that comparison. Yeah, please. It's, it's a, just yeah, like so similar. God awful. Like, not that uh, movie, but yeah. Well, the music was very different. I thought in resident evil, where it was just like really bad, like techno. Oh yes. Techno kind yeah. of like where it's like, it needed moments to like calm down and there have character moments. And when those were happening, like, fucking Benny Benassi would be in the background just pump trying to pump it up it's like okay slow oh, down Lord. and this one reminded me of like a video game soundtrack of like a Japanese drama kind of soundtrack with the the piano uh, yeah. motif which was like I really great at first it was when they started doing flashbacks near the end I thought it was overused a bit but that like little do 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 like the really kind of dry simple kind of piano sound that was like almost like whimsical and like would kind of just like dreamy would kind of take you into like a dream sort of sound. And it wasn't trying to tell you that things are supposed to be scary right now. It's like, Oh my God, you're scared, right? The music is telling you you're scared. It's like, no, like the music doesn't really need to do much when there's so much fucking shit happening in your face, like graphic, graphic stuff. And uh, overall I thought it was like, it had some restraint and it was pretty like, like simple in a good way like in, in an effective way uh yeah minus like the closing credit song was like but that's just an, that's just like a song of the time it's a song that was pop those that kind of sound was popular at the time um but yeah that's i that's just one I I, yeah music, i agree yeah. with you yeah totally and uh, um 
Yeah, it's uh, that is akin to the game. And it is a good homage mm-hmm. that they did that because uh, a lot of the game included some like very, you know, uh, like guitar. Uh, yeah, had a had a vibe about it that is daydreamy or uh, yeah, uh, kind of like ethereal out there. Ethereal. Yes, 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 yes. So um it's really like great and a lot of this kind of trailing off and, and everything yeah a lot of the sound in general too outside of the music and just the sound design because like it is really like tension filling or tension inducing scary the um the shelter horn and how that plays a part into you know kind of the mechanics of the world that they're a part of and there's a lot of like loud thumping and mm. uh when it comes to you know things that are moving outside of pure view or monsters in general and the sound that they're emitting is very scary and great and yeah I th- this movie is at its strongest when it is presenting monsters that are v- so like the game the the monsters in this are wonderful obviously pyramid head is you know and the you know they, they're all ha- really in the game already and so they're just like you know realizing them in the in this movie but like the way that they do that is great so i don't want to downplay that it may even though it is technically like the photocopy and they didn't invent too many like unique to the movie monsters the monsters that they realized from the games is wonderful like mm-hmm. they're so because they, they're real that's yeah. the thing that was great is the yeah and to see the behind the scenes and whatnot of those are just those are real actors oh like my God, uh, yeah. f- physical things because yeah, yeah that I, goes a long this, way. it goes such a long way and especially when everything else around it we already kind of criticized about some of the, and it's, they could have easily because they were already doing it. So I'm like, Oh, well we can just do a 3d visual of pyramid head or any of these monsters, which yeah, maybe the leeches and stuff, but no, they got real guy in this fucking pyramid head. And then they got all these nurses that just, and these buxom nurses that are just look all fucked up up. and, and, uh, are doing just these very interesting, uh, blocking movement techniques with their bodies that is just naturally creepy in in its setting and dressing and then you have real people doing stuff right in front of you it's just it's i i don't know that's always that's always going to stick out if it if done effectively and i thought that those those uses were really good and then yeah they went too far in other areas you know we'll get to barbed wire scene and everything like that whatever for what for what it's worth yeah um but yeah i mean we can highlight highlight some of these these moments in terms of like the spooky stuff because it really is about her running around trying to find sharon she does like cross this scary ravine and and kind of find her and that's when yeah things are gradually starting to reveal themselves to reveal it inescapable like uh, oh this isn't my daughter this is some other uh, you know, she's thinking it's a girl Alessa. Alexa Spiker. Yeah, no, Alessa, and she's starting to uncover that mystery. Sean Bean is, uh, you know, getting in touch with House of Gucci, yeah, uh, Detective House, Gucci, House of Barber Barbershop Gucci. Um, which I thought that was it maintained it maintained interest yeah. for me. All of all of their stuff, them driving down the road. He wasn't just a detective with no stake in it. He's like, no, I that was my father's barbershop. And then later you see his hands burn. You see him in the flashback. He's got 
a reason for being cagey about all of this. He's not just like a fuck. I love that that was the case. Mm -hmm. Oh, because if it was him being like in on the cult that's or, or just Silent ignorant Hill. or something or, or just like yeah, yeah. Oh, that would have been such a downer mm-hmm. the fact that he's, he's not like, good at his job or something it's like oh no right because that's something that happens in a lot of the movies like especially that we've talked about is is that like not good at their job like when you present a character like that it just makes them wholly uninteresting yeah. like of course you know like why why present a character unless it is solely for comedic effect right why would they be like try to make them really good at their job like that yeah i don't because that's so much more interesting than if they're just like i don't know oh oh shit this yeah. is going on eating and donuts the, and just like oh i guess i'll just follow it like and that's uh, like such a horror movie trope of just like yeah like the oh police can't help and you if you call the police it's not gonna and then the police roll in and then they get fucked up too or something it's like oh the one thing that i thought was gonna help me but this guy is helping to an extent he has he like wants to keep Sean being on some sort of leash as well. And he's and he's like kind of anticipating his moves even, even to the point yeah. of like he's there when he's confronting that nun who kind of knows about the the true birth of Sharon and and her beginnings her, her beginnings of yeah, being the good half of Alessa's being ah, man, what a fucking yeah. what a fucking trip. Um and Let's get into that. I would love to hunker down and like sure. if you, yeah. to start explaining the story there, and just yeah. like what the well, yeah like what the core of this movie is because mm-hmm. yeah so far we've talked about like we so we have Rose is going, <laughs> Rose is the adopted mother of Sharon. Sharon has been conflicted with this mental illness where she's uh, like loses control of herself so rose takes her to silent hill to try to confront that fear she gets lost in silent hill and then you start to reveal that there is this witch that's there that has that you know rose shows uh sharon to this witch and the witch is like oh no that's my daughter and then you start to then you then you start to put together that there is two sharons in this world and, and that's around around when you see Sean Bean going to the files and finding the Ale- picture of Alessa as well. And he's he's starting to he, he thinks that's Alessa's daughter is Sharon is Alessa's daughter is what he thinks. Right. Absolutely. But we so, yeah, there's like two Sharons out there now where I I I think the Silent best thing Hills. to do is to start. <laughs> Two Sharons. <laughs> two Sharons. <laughs> Colon. Two, colon, two Sharons. <laughs> a, a tale of two Sharons. <laughs> Sharon is Karen. Uh, Sharon is Karen. Uh, but now, I guess to really, you know, continue on with just the sole plot of it, we have to start talking about the cult that exists because yeah. it's this weird thing where. Pretty cool. I know symbol. we didn't. Interesting we symbol. didn't. Ex- we haven't really explained <laughs> certain things in, in that. There is this netherworld that exists. So when Rose is in Silent Hill, it is fog. Then a, a, a um, alarm goes off in the town, like a nuclear like shelter in place alarm goes off. Then the world turns into this evil right. world, this hell where everything is just um, uh, like fence. All walls are fences. Everything's red. And monsters are the most prevalent. It like, looks like uh, a fire just, yeah. There, yeah, Burn there's so much of that down. where like, 
ground will have a thing on it. And then once it turns into this other world, there'll just be this never ending tunnel into the pits of stuff. And it's just fire. And you also hear so much machine Mm -hmm. shit going on. And it's just this fucked up world where these crazy monsters exist and it's just fire and hell. And you get, yeah. And that's, it's, it's it's real icky, real icky, rust, rust Brown's yellowish sort of pukey orangey dark dark, and it's foggy in the ashy in the daytime and or like in the normal world and then you go into the nether i like the word nether world that's that's a fun way to put it and not fun but just i it's very scary yeah it's a it's a good uh word for what it is and uh they're like there's the way that things are physically represented in the duality between the two worlds of like, Oh, it's this and this world. And then it's that. And the other world is a through line through the games of people coming into the town. Cause they're getting this calling and then they, yeah, they have to come face to face in their trauma, which a lot of times is represented like as a monster in, yes. in, in, uh-huh. its, in its own way, which I guess isn't fully done in this movie necessarily in some ways and then in a lot of in a majority of ways no so it is really effective in the trauma that's not necessary but you know like um so in to where pyramid head is from is that that is a supposed to be a representation of the murderous side of our playable character and like the executioner like Mm form of our main character yeah like a primeval sort of thing right yes like yeah all of the uh yeah the anger the pain those things are like what pyramid head is for that playable character but for this that isn't really the case the only time that it made the most sense that was really effective is that so we're in this town that we've been told had a coal explosion or or something relating to coal because it's like a coal mining town whatever and that's what killed everybody and that's why it's a ghost town and so there is they go to a hospital and in the basement ish of it there are all those dead monster nurses and that makes sense so that theoretically means that there were a bunch of nurses who were sheltering in place in the bottom of the hospital when the fire happened and they all died in there. Mm-hmm. And so that made sense. Mm-hmm. All the rest of the stuff doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> so yeah, they're cool monsters, but like they should represent like a person or a thing that would exist because of the tragedy that happened or it yeah, would I be represented first ones might have been straight jacket people you know it's it's hard the the leeches i don't know i think leeches might be like a common sort of element in the game and then they just have these like almost human-like faces on them but it, yeah there is a lack of uh making that one-to-one like parallel so obvious it is just you know these things are scary in there from the game and you don't need to fully understand, like they get to the point of explaining. And even that goes a little too overboard for my taste in terms of how they do those flashbacks near the end. Um, However, I think this whole lore of this world and the canon of it is fascinating. And I think it's, it's a really interesting way to present something that's scary and in a sad, really sad, uh, you know, 
bummer sort of way. Cause yeah. So it's like, that's the, her, her, she, they accuse her, uh, Lessa of being it's okay. We, we need to talk about the cult, though, the witch burn. The, there's a cult yeah, that burns witches and yes. they, they've been doing this, you know, since it was, it was a big, big deal. Um, yeah. and they, and they've just lasted throughout this time. And they, this is, uh, the scourge upon this town is when they decided that Alessa was a witch because, and her mom, uh, as well was like, Alessa gets raped by, that's a, right. oh my God, oh my God, yeah, a, the janitor, gets, yeah, gets raped by a janitor that's because right. Alessa oh God, this is, is so in fucking a, sad, dude. This whole movie is in an orphanage, so like, oh similarly. God. Kind of like where Cheryl came from, because technically Alessa and Cheryl are like part of the same thing. And so, so Alessa is doppelgangers or just or left in an orphanage (laughs) because the witch that we've met was her real mother who gave her up because she's like not a fit mother, essentially. So she Alessa is in a orphanage and they blame and but gets they, raped yeah. and then the mother comes back to intervene with that and then the headmaster of the orphanage is the leader of the cult who's burning witches so her her thing is so the leader of the cults thing this woman is well she's evil because she's been you know tainted by evil because impure whatever and so what we're going to do is we're going to burn her to relinquish like these impurities this evil that is in like it's almost like blaming alessa for getting raped and then the solution to that like the punishment is all placed on Alessa. Yeah. Like obviously we see the rapist getting like totally mutilated, becoming a monster, whatever. But like the, it, the movie posits that Alessa got raped because she's evil and that's why it happened to her. And then to rectify the situation, to protect the, to protect silent Hill is to burn her in a seance, like kind of like a ritual. And that's going to then rid evil from from silent hell and then what ends up happening is is that it the alessa manifests this this whole scene like almost reminded me of yeah like rosemary's baby or or something totally with at least well this movie is very similar and 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 how they how they convince her of of a delusion we exactly like we yeah we have to do this and then but then the mother's not on board and that's why she ends up manifesting herself as such an outcast because like in this silent hill world there's surprisingly a lot of well she no she gave she gave her up though and that's like her big burden Mm -hmm. and then even at the end they're like well why didn't she kill her it's like oh it's because because her mom and Mm -hmm. because in their eyes are like oh she probably deserved it because she gave her up and or whatever but then they just they say that line multiple times of all like mothers are God in the eyes of a, of their children or whatever, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and yeah, that, that whole scene reminded me like Rosemary's baby, but they, they burn her in such a fucking, they so see, crazy. Like, it's so fucking graphic, dude. Like a child so graphic. is like slow fucking roasted and roasted and, and then, see and then the child survives. as a burned husk. And yeah. then the child is like, still conscious and still there and it's like and you so even see am, am i mistaken this isn't the fire that starts everything when it it when is it, okay so that's a, and that's why it's cursed that makes sense okay i just wanted to, right wanted to double so check the, and so like that's a, that's the true story yeah. of, of it all and that's why it's it's cursed and that's 
when she, and then you see her taken to a hospital. And then I think this is like, you know, that we're explaining it all in the moment of the movie. It is near the end during all these, all these flashbacks that get to be a bit much, but I thought this moment was strong and kind of like the thesis of the movie when, when she was talking about how, you know, when she creates this world with like the black goo that she ejects and she sees like the, the prime evil or whatever, looking at her in the face in the hospital wing. And she, at that moment, embraces hatred and embraces that that dark side and creates a world world and manifests yeah a world of of her inner demons and and trauma and things that were done to her and it's just so fucking sad of a concept and truly horrifying like to know to to take that trauma and expound upon it in, in a horrifying way is is something that again just blows my mind that there was a game about that where you play this game like you playing it you know and even at the time when it was it was past a little bit of the 80s and all the say what do you call it satan hysteria satan panic like all the occult his- hysteria there's some like term i think they they had for that ryan i forget but um all of that stuff and that they were able to make something like this and and bring it over into american audiences um and then yeah seeing this movie be relatively faithful to the ideas, you know, the lore is obviously different, but the, what they're trying to do with it, uh, is, seems to be pretty faithful. And that story is something that like, while it seems like almost like it would be, it could have run the risk of being convoluted and maybe in some of the later games and, and extra stuff it is, it's, it's done in a way that I can, it's palatable and I understand it Mm -hmm. as horrific and graphic as many of the scenes are. Um, yeah, so I, I, I guess that's kind of puts us up to speed in terms of, so, uh, Sharon is birthed as the half of Alessa that is like the positive or like the, the yin to her yang that is like the, not the dark side, but the light side of, of it. And she is left on like a um, where the nun is and then that's she's put in an orphanage and then that's where our main character and sean bean uh yeah adopt her and then all it puts us kind of up to speed where we're at um and then i i guess if there's anything about the occult anything else we want to say about that or i think her performance is is well done she's very creepy uh and it almost seems like it's from uh damn it what's ah, i forget the guy's name I want to find it, but he he did a show that you like, um, and the house on house on haunted hill house on no yeah, haunting, yeah, haunting the, of haunting of Bly Manor, and yeah, the and guy like, who did and haunting mass. and like uh, midnight mass and Doctor uh, Sleep. I'm gonna look up his name just because there. I thought that some of those elements reminded me of of some of his Boy. his like Mike Flanagan's uh, best work with all all the occult and everything. And there's been a lot of um movies dealing in that lately and i'm not uh, while, if he like, made another silent hill and he did the second that's what one. i was thinking dude like he would be oh. a, a great a great person to explore because he deals in the same way of like if you if you see haunting of blind manor or what was the first one called just the haunting of hill house i think it's called it's exactly that of people dealing with their trauma and the horrors of it and oof, yeah, I think it'd be great. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, if there's any, anything else about the spooky stuff leading up to the final big scene, I guess, 
am I going too fast? Is there anything? I'm, no, 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 I'm no. Yeah, we, got, no we, we got some nurses, you know? Uh, oh, there's, you know, Pyramid Head does that, the fucking thing where they're running into the church and then he fucking does that shit to that woman. We don't have to f- describe it yeah. exactly, but oh, fucking insane. S- skin bag just thrown. Oh my God. It's just like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And I, I don't know. There's a lot of times where I'd like chastise a movie for being too salacious like you say with some of that and i don't get there until kind of near the end but even then yeah at the end in particular for sure i still like what they're thinking about but it's just for me the ending and i guess we'll just go there is the uh barbed wire effects i'm not like crazy about of like all like the 3d barbed wire it's like oh it's a big barbed wire thing I like a scary movie that has a big lead up to a bunch of people fucking getting offed at the end. Like if you see Suspiria, the original or the particularly I'm thinking of the remake, um, there's a scene at the end of that. That's just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And just so much carnage. And I think that is a very effective buildup in a, in a scary movie. Um, but yeah, people get fucking vaporized, man. She gets like barbed wired shish kebab all, all up and down and ripped in a half. A lot of people just dismembered. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I will say though that I really, Oh, and then the burning the, too. The visual of, so at this point, like we're at the climax of the movie where there is this thing that's happening, which is very like the game is that Rose, our protagonist has now in like, like kind of through osmosis or whatever, like inducted a demon, the devil, like a uh, evil spirit into herself. Mm. And, and she like infiltrated is, the burning. Yeah. And she has infiltrated this church that has been considered a safe haven because like we've explained about this whole like alarm going off, turning into the netherworld. Then there's also and the then fog she has world. that moment with that, this, the evil Alessa, and the the primeval and god i think that's just good writing i'm sorry i cut you off and everything but it's like no no no, yeah i thought that was just good writing i'm like i'm watching the main character just make a fucking pact with the devil and i'm on board board yeah i'm on board cult leader yeah (laughs) totally yeah which is that is such a wonderful ethos that you should i'm i'm happy for you that you're excited about that because like that is so core to the game is that like we've described with some other things is that when you look into the darkness the darkness it isn't like or just and kind of i specifically to like what you've said about japanese culture is like you don't look at the devil as being like so bad it's you can't touch it it's a force of nature it's a force of nature it's more so of like the working with the devil might have like you might do that at times like it isn't so black and white it is it's more so of like people in western culture understanding like a yeah more of a trickster like it isn't Mm, you're like pan or something right like you're it's not total evil that you wouldn't yeah you would say like i'm never going to do business with you it's like well like i don't know yeah we're human we're all human and it adds we have that side of ourselves as well yeah and it's just a matter if you choose yeah like she said i'm i'm i chose i'm gonna see my daughter i I, I chose hate and i you manifest it into the world like whatever and that, that was what i was touching earlier is like whatever you 
feel inside of you, it is going to, in its own way, manifest into your outer world in, in its, in its way. And that's, I think that's an interesting concept of like, even a non-decision is a decision and you have to, and being an active member of your own life and serve two evils, accepting that there is that side, side of you, but yeah, just not, but also understanding the balance. And I think that's something that I, I like in some Japanese folklore elements as well, where, yeah, it's that, that inevitable, inevitable balance within the forces of nature that are beyond your control and living within that and choosing, choosing your path. Um, but understanding your worth and how, yeah. And how small you are comparatively or or whatever, but also just, uh, your agency Mm -hmm. in a, in a respectful way and respect for yourself. Um, but the, in terms of mythology and things like that, yeah, this is something to come up with ideas like this is like coming from a place that is uh very creative and maybe there could be people that's we'll get into we're starting to get into polarizing sort of nature of why people maybe not like this it's like yeah that shit could be fucking grating to watch this movie and this could be a really not entertaining experience for some people of like by this point you're like it's like i could just imagine some of the critics that didn't like this movie that just like yeah. oh my god this is just shock value i haven't even looked at too many reviews but i'm sure if i'm predicting it, it's like shock value and you know just just graphic to be graphic and um story is incomprehensible or some shit like that but mm-hmm. uh yeah i think that and uh, yeah i guess i'll i'll touch on just that the burning of uh sybil was fucking brutal you see her face blister up and fucking Crazy. light on fire and like another slow roast fucking i was like oh that ladder's not so gonna go down all the people. way and then i realized yeah. oh no they only gonna do it halfway and get the fucking ugh, ugh. Yeah, slow roast like slow roast oh god and then yeah. the pits of hell and all that shit and uh you know that you get the payoff with uh who the cop is and the burnt hands and um you uh you leave let's talk about the ending with because they just they kind of it's a a very ambiguous ending Mm. it is something it also is oh that's uh, right no i remember solidifying something that we've already known and it yeah it just kind of it drives the point home a little bit and it also adds this loathing and this dread and leaves us with that um so we have mentioned uh previously but so the way that rose the cop uh got into silent hill is is that technically there was a car accident and then there was also the cop got into a bike accident and we even met the cop and one of the first things that is talked about is you're bleeding oh you're Mm -hmm. bleeding from the head you know and so we have been given plenty of information honestly they telegraphic pretty blatantly that we're in a Jacob's ladder situation right, almost of right. like our main characters have actually died already. Mm-hmm. And this is them in purgatory mm-hmm. and in if, and then really just going into the pits of hell and um, One yeah, of the, movie, the woman who played uh, the mother of Alessa in the behind the scenes, she said it was like Alice in Wonderland meets Dante's Inferno. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is like going through the levels. I, I, I don't know you take Yeah. The, you uh go down go down the rabbit hole and then it yeah it has and then that that moment with sean bean and her being in the same place at the same time but on different not same place i guess different planes of existence at the same time and 
he can feel her and he's freaking out and she knows he's there too. And, um, that is, that's kind of a bigger broadcast to what you're saying as well, too, of what, of what the situation is. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if I liked it. I, I, I liked a part of it because of the sense of dread that it left us with, which is very akin to the games is that, you know, uh, especially with the second one is, is there's not a good ending really. Like you are left with, well, people have made some really terrible decisions and they're going to have to continue to live with them just Mm -hmm. because we maybe have solved this particular situation in only solved it in the sense of we now know what it is Mm. it doesn't relinquish like we don't go back to a happily ever after and then never that is never the case in these games is that Mm -hmm. it's a happily ever after it's like even at its especially for a horror game if it's a ghost story like that's what you want at the end of the ghost story is like oh and it still exists to this day and the ghosts follow us and you know which definitely happens in this as well is that there's a a real sense that you know cheryl has the demon still with her and that she is still uh, afflicted by that and that you know the demon hasn't gone away obviously it's just we've rectified the situation of the evil that was causing silent hill to be what it is so like I don't, but again, like, I, I don't know if I really love that though, because it, it takes away a little bit of what the core thing is. Like, I'm fine with the demon still being with the daughter, but the fact that they're never going to go back to the real world is a weird thing for me. And I don't know if, I guess maybe I just like, didn't it didn't sit great with me because I, I think I much, I would have much rather that they are still affected by things, but it isn't that drastic. <laughs> it, isn't, it was, and it was a little like maybe too ambiguous as, as well. Yeah. Uh, to your, that, well, to, your to your point. I mean, that, that ambiguity can be effective for sure in, in some ways. Uh, but the endings I didn't I didn't find the ending little moment with Sean Bean yeah, as as like satisfying as maybe yeah. as it as it could have been. I think the radio static is the point the static though, is I pretty can... effective, but maybe I, and also I'm kind of referring to the last shot of the movie. Like it do you did you do you remember what like it does at the end? Like the very last shot is it's like an out that's Sean Bean inside the house. There's a camera looking into the house, I believe. And then he, he like is making the phone call and he realizes what the deal is. And then it pans over to the right and ends on like a bush. <laughs> and then it fades out on a bush. <laughs> and I was like, what? just like, huh? huh? I thought it was like, but- oh, maybe there was going to be some movement of like, oh, she's there in this other yeah. uh, dimension or something like that. But it, it could have just faded out on him, like on the phone or something, but it like, Oh, what is it panning to? And it was like some build up. A bush. Like, a bush fade out into like a weird shitty song with some crappy font graphics and all that, all that stuff that is very like <laughs> saw hostile Eli Rothy, uh, Lionsgate sort of, sort of stuff. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I, it's not, it's not awful, but it's not super strong either. I, do, do you, or you just not, you not appreciate the ending. Like, you thought it was pretty weak. I thought it was, I thought it was weak, but I don't know. I guess I now, you know, discussing it, I go a little bit back and forth because like I uh, ultimately, I do love that it it ends ambiguously. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the because yeah, it, it should. 
Um, there shouldn't be a clear winner and loser in this, but um, I guess my contention then is that it just isn't, that's not what it's about is them dying. It's about, it's about what happens with Alessa. It's about what happens mm-hmm. with the pain and the trauma there. And so like, it just, it's I like see. almost like a hat on a hat a little bit for me that I just, yeah, I, I guess like, I was like, ah, so, so the resolution- I, I don't, I don't, I don't need, I, I didn't need that. Right. I mean the, re- so the resolution is, yeah, like the bad, the bad side, the Alessa came up burnt husk and all with uh barbed wire. She got her revenge and she just wanted her vengeance. So that, I guess is closure for that side, but then what she gets Sharon back or Cheryl in the Mm -hmm. movie or Sharon, whatever. And then Mm -hmm. they just go off and it's kind of like, Oh, like they're almost like ghosts that get to live in purgatorial sort of hell together. They're stuck there. But then I guess if I'm adding to your point or not, I don't know, but like, yeah, there's no clear resolution in terms of like, Oh, do we need to reunite these two? I thought there was like a big point in that of like, I guess, or is that, the occult is trying to do that. Is that what, or is she They're No, they're trying to get rid of the, uh, Sharon, Sharon and get rid of the evil as well. Right. They'd want to remove it all altogether. And she's a representation of that to them. Um, but, and then doing that would create like the alt, the ultimate God or something like that. Or is that from the games or it's like, they want to create. Uh, that's from the games. That's You're the conflating games. that yeah. because like, yeah, am. like the, mm-hmm. the, end of the game is the cult is responsible for bringing people in and the reason that they're bringing in is because they need a virgin like uh neutral like pure person in order to bring the devil into into (laughs) that's like that's what so previous to the like you know the analog in this scenario of like rose cheryl is that there was a previously a parent kid that was brought into silent hill because of um the cult and then they tried to do this uh this ritual and instead it 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 like broke the 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 daughter in attempt to not be like a vessel for the devil like broke their mm. spirit in two and so the mm. game posits that the cult needs to bring both of those spirits together in order to fulfill the seance ritual and bring the devil into existence and so that's their goal is to reunite those two girls so I that see. they can then continue on to do the ritual to bring the devil in. But like, yeah, this one, it just, you know, it makes, yeah. Uh, the way that they ended this movie makes the whole like Sean beans thing completely pointless. Right. Cause like they were always, A little dead. Bit. they were they're They're never going to get back. Um, it just uses him as like, yeah, a way to uncover things that she would otherwise not find on her own. So when you are cutting to him constantly, it's like, it just, yeah. And you trail off at the end where he's just like, Oh, he's never going to be able to see them again. So his, his closure him. is a little, uh, more of, yeah, like an ellipsis. And while that again can be an effective in a scary movie, uh, some of it could be a little bit more pronounced in terms of what everything was leading to with him and maybe 
uh, even like another scene with him and the cop or something to have some, mm. even if that, that could be contrived or that could be forced as well, but that could at least set things even keeled for both of them. Even if you care about, you know, he was involved, the cop was involved as well. And they could have at least one moment where they can commiserate over what happened. And if there's any future of finding her, or if he's just going to shut it down or yeah, whatever, whatever it is, I guess that's a, that's a possibility, but I, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing what you're, what you're saying, especially when yeah, some of the games have like a stronger pronounced sort of, yeah. Uh, right. Ending Cause all, all leading on to what could possibly be in the future. Totally. Cause ultimately they should, we should end on these characters are fundamentally changed and not necessarily for the better. And that's the ambiguity that should be left is like, they didn't, I, you know, we're not better off necessarily. And you leave it at that, mm -hmm. right. Is we've gone through this trauma and made some really tough decisions and they aren't really the best decisions, but it's the decisions we had to make. And now we have to sit with those things. And a lot of that is like, that could, that is a part of the representation that the devil or demon, whatever, like sticking with Cheryl is, is that we haven't completely relinquished mm. these evils. Like if anything, we've now like kind of brought them along because we've, you know, um, entertained them or worked with them. We have a, a connection with them in mm. trying to just escape. And now they're a part of us and now we carry them with us and that can be ambiguous, but yeah, it's, it is funny though, because it, an inspiration that is noted for the Silent Hill games, especially for the second one, is Jacob's Ladder is a huge influence on, and the t the team that designed it said as much. Mm, because wow. yeah, like for the people who don't know about the second game, is is like there is a little bit more of that in the story of people you think that are alive aren't aren't alive, and it's more so of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you're like a living in vertigo a, thing almost too. Totally. You're living in a reality in which certain events have happened that you now are not aware of because you're in this like fugue state or like your memory has been erased because of like, you know, and it, all of it is just so wonderfully like commenting on trauma and uh the way the human brain works when it has to deal with uh, these really crazy situations of you know, because manifesting uh, the monsters, the the daughter mother connection and the cult stuff and all of that is just, yeah, um, a lot of it is a manifestation of what we think. Well, yeah, we think would be reality if certain things existed. And um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I, yeah, I don't mean it didn't ruin the movie for me. Yeah. And I, obviously I haven't, I don't think I've explained it like that, but yeah, I just, uh, no, it's a fair, fair criticism. Definitely. Yeah, when you I are, don't know. it wasn't my favorite. You're more acutely aware <laughs> with, uh, the stronger elements of the story of the game and for a game to have, yeah, such strong story elements still to this day is not, is can, can be few and far between of, of, of having uh, 100%. An, an affecting story. So these are yeah. worthwhile gems to dick up again. Um, and it makes sense why they would make a adaptation. Um, before we go into reviews, I was just looking at some of my notes here. There's a song on the radio that sounded like Porta said that was cool. Um, 
do, 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 do. radios and low, interesting concept. Low ammo. I thought that was a nice little touch. Like she's like, this is my only clip. And I was like, oh, I know that feeling from <laughs> Res- Resident Evil and shit. It's like, oh, that's definitely uh yeah. Um the radio, so they pay homage to the game, especially when they first do the radio stuff. Is that mm-hmm, so? That in the sounds. first, the first game, the the radio you get. Well, every game actually has it. Um, you get the radio, and it will signal to essentially as a signal to you. That's so cool. Whether there is a monster close by, because that. the monster will will be heard on the radio. So there's this. Yeah, fun mechanic of like you get a Kojima radio. still. I mean, he still does that shit. Like who? Hideo Kojima like does. Oh that, yeah, d- does that shit in uh fucking Death Stranding as well. It's like I you get close to the fucking shit. Like and you, I when I played it on place PlayStation, whatever they call the BTS or whatever, you know, mm-hmm, BTs, it make yeah. noises out of the controller, and you'd start, you know, get just getting like these sensory clues that don't have to be on the the hud right or anything uh-huh. the hud and you can just pause it like those sort of things to the player and have it be more of a like organic understanding of what's of what's happening which some of the, yeah the, it seems like resident evil 7 something that you like a lot seems to be really great at that kind of stuff as well and yeah. those those kind of games are, are still being made which yeah you just you gotta you gotta hunt them down sometimes the worst line in the movie that felt like most like a video game was they're like walking up to the hotel where the where the burning occurred and they're going to go to that room and stuff where they're uh, then they're like walking up the cop like Sybil and Rose. And uh-huh. one of them says, I used to say this. They used to say this place was haunted. And then uh, the other the other person says, I think they're right. Oh, and then, like yeah. the music is a little bit more resident evil there it's a little bit more like yeah okay they that was All the right. only that was the only time where it really like felt like a resident evil situation um there was one point where a character said looks like there was a fire and this was like late in the movie late when like we, movie. Did, we know we established that there was a fucking fire multiple mm-hmm. times that's all we've been talking about then someone had like looks like there's been a fire it's like what <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> And then the old uh, the flashbacks. What I guess I didn't fully express when it, what bothered me about him was it was a little bit too much with the film grain and like the clip, like how they did whatever After Effects to the footage and why it needed to be like that. Of like, oh look at this, we had this old film projector that we we're playing it on, and this is how it looks. And somehow someone got this perfect angle of the witch burning, and even like it was like found footage when the which when the burning started to happen of Alessa that. The camera was like, oh, no, <laughs> and the camera was moving like it had to get out of the way. I it's was getting like, attacked, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, OK, I mean, I guess it is like, yeah, it was a real person and they, they were cutting it that way. It makes me think about the, the nature of that camera. Like, oh, they actually got good edits. Oh, it looks like there's multiple cameras there. And if you're if you're <laughs> positing that this is a found footage thing, then I, my mind starts to wander. a bit, <laughs> And that's where I get two up my own ass probably and just need to accept it. That was just like a technique in the movie, but it was just a little forced. And then my one little tidbit that I was like, I just want to put this on like IMDb trivia or f- I'm sure it's already there or fucking uh, oh, movie, know, de- yeah. movie details. I put it on the discord, but there's mm-hmm. a scene where our main character goes into the, the burning of uh, Sybil, like right after that happens and uh, Sharon's about to get burnt. There's a it's perfectly framed where she walks into the door and from and far off, you see her full uh, body in the doorway. 
and there's a chandelier above her head that is so purposely made to look like a witch's hat on top of her mm-hmm. when she's walking in. Um, and yeah, if you, if you get, yeah, if it matters to you at all, you know, take a look, take a look at that, at that little, uh, uh, James look out for this to borrow a gorly ism. Um, <sighs> all right. Well, yeah. And then I just have fade, fade out on Bush. And also the rain looked really bad. Like whenever there was yeah. rain, like it was really fake and bad. Like the sun would be shining like full out and then just like, like huge rain just pouring in. Like this is the sunniest rain every single time. And it was just like, and even one point yeah. where I was looking at the house, it was puddling up in front of the house near, near the end. I was like, oh, that's because they just turned them on. It's not saturated. It hasn't been raining enough. It's not a rainy area. So it's not saturating mm. into the fucking ground. So there's puddles being formed. It's like they're just turning That's it on funny. too much, man. To a yeah, place that has an like experience, down. has an experience probably like California or something. But, um, anyways, those are those are my notes. Are you? Do you want to go on to uh, reviews? I'm gonna take a quick break. But Sounds yes, good. we'll I'm take re- a quick break, Ola, and uh, we'll be back for uh, review Olas. Hello, and we are back to the number one podcast for polarizing movies that is sweeping the nation. Uh, let me, nay, the world. Let me get into our uh, reviews here um, to remind everyone we got a 32% on the critic side of things and a 63% on the audience side of things. I'm going to start with these critic tidbits. Critic tidbits uh, from New York Times. Nathan Lee gives it a 10 out of 100. He says from first frame to last, not a second of the film has a grip on reality structured around a series of blackouts and gross outs. It is one long free fall through icky surrealism. And see, I said icky too, and under lighted nightmares. It takes us to the sort of world where hell is around the corner, secret doors around and faux blonde police women outfit themselves in skin tight leather. Icky, yeah. icky surrealism and underlying oh. nightmares, blackouts and gross outs, spitting bars. These critics, yeah. man, like just so holy shit, eloquent. Slam dunk, slam dunk. Um, Hollywood Reporter from Ray Bennett, a twenty out of one hundred. We're gonna warm up as we go along these uh, polarizing reviews. We're starting cold. We're gonna w- warm up. Uh, Ray Bennett says, "Witless, soulless, and joyless. It displays its video game origins throughout." As if that in itself is a bad thing. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> because it's a video. This is already you can see where some people might be coming from. Uh, let's go to Entertainment Weekly. Hey, 33. Uh, Owen Gleiberman says, A few of the images are startling, but as Rada Mitchell, a good actress, wanders through a ghost town, searching for her lost daughter as though she was touring an abandoned movie set, Silent Hill is mostly paralyzing in its vagueness. Mm. He wants it explained. Owen wants more explanation, more clarity, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So I got to, this is where like they show Roger Ebert reviews. And, and I question whether it's actually Roger Ebert. I think it is. Probably not. I don't know. 2006. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Should I read? I don't know. I can skip it. Um, I don't want to. Yeah, I'm not sure. Let's do variety. Dennis Harvey, 40. In the end, Silent Hill degenerates 
into an overblown replay of all those Twilight Zone and Stephen King stories in which outsiders stumble upon time warped location from which there is no escape. Mm. Overblown replay. I, I see it has elements of that, but it differentiates itself enough as well. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's easy to argue with somebody who's not here. Um, a, from AV Club, Scott Tobias, A42, says, recommended to those who feel the Crucible doesn't feature enough bodies ripped in half vertically. Others are duly warned. Mm. <laughs> I, I kind of like that review. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I like to imagine someone going in the crucible, like, no, I want more, uh, more, more, yeah, bodies more ripped bodies being vertically wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do our last one a 50 uh, from the LA Times. Jan Stewart um, Jan. says, works up a decent amount of solid creep show atmosphere in its first act before making some absurd decisions of its own in its second. I do think the first act is very strong. I, yes, I, I do agree. That might be the strongest of, of it all is that that first act. But that's that's the beauty of a horror movie. And when it's done well, is like your imagination. They're playing it off off of that so well of like, ooh, what could what could it possibly be? And then once those answers start to come, <laughs> that's when it's like sure. showing the magic trick a bit. Um, All right, I'll do. I think I'm going to do a couple audience reviews because yeah. I found some good ones, but they're a little little lengthy. So I'm not sure how many I'll do, but um. I want to start with this one and I'll kind of, uh, I won't do the whole thing. I'll kind of edit around some, some paragraphs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's from Theo sticks, five stars, by the way, on Amazon, this movie has, uh, there are 8,700 reviews and, uh, 76% of these reviews are five stars. Yeah. And it has an average of 4.6 out of five um, on the uh, on the average of reviews. So the people are very like vociferous, like lovers, advocates of this movie, which is great to see. Great. And that's what adds to the polarizing nature of people don't just aren't like middling. They're like, no, I really like it. And no, I really hate this it. works. Yeah. Um, from Theo Sticks titled Five Stars. Silent Hill, entertaining and oft eerie. And then in parentheses, updated to discuss Shout Factory edition. Um, In the world of video game to film adaptations, there are sadly few success stories. Mortal Kombat usually comes to mind as the best example of a video game done right on the big screen. And the most recent Tomb Raider film, while a bit shallow, is a fairly good representation of its source material. I think that was the one with Vic Kander they're talking about. Uh But the one video game film that sharply divides audiences is director Christopher Gaines, 2006 release Silent Hill based of course on the best-selling survival horror franchise. While it was initially met with mixed reviews, it has garnered a strong cult following in the 10 or so years that have passed since its release. This in no small part, thanks to its wonderful, wonderful visuals and keen use of atmosphere. And yet despite this, there are so many that bemoan it as a failure. It's a film you either love or loathe with no in between my thoughts Well, to me, the Silent Hill movie is a mixture of both good and bad. More specifically, as an adaptation, it is a bit of a failure simply because of how much it changes in the story and the characters. But as a standalone film, that's more inspired by than based on the video games. In that sense, I really enjoy the film. It's a movie clearly made made by fans of the games who are giving it their all. They just didn't quite understand how important the things they changed were to the fan base. Um... They go on to say, 
The film's greatest strengths are for sure its wondrous direction and visuals. Aesthetically, this movie really nails the look and feeling of the games. Does a good job building tension. The performances work quite well with no sore thumb amongst the entire cast. Yeah. Combined with some fun twists and turns and some genuinely effective scares, and you have a darned entertaining and often eerie excursion into the unknown. The problem is how it changes from source material. While I won't give out too many spoilers, those, are, those who are fans of the franchise may find themselves a bit miffed at the liberties gains and writer, writer Roger Avery take with the story. Yeah. If you're looking for the classic cult of the games out to birth their dark god, you won't get that here. Instead, the film mm -hmm. plays the terror as more of the result of witchcraft and fanatical Christian cultists. It's a bit sad as the film nails the look and feeling of the game so well, and with a rewrite or two, could have perfectly captured the game's narrative. But Gaines and Avery felt the need to rework the story for whatever reason. It comes down to this. If you want a perfect adaptation, you won't get that here. But if you want a fun, frightening film that shares similar visuals and themes with the games, you'll more than likely enjoy the Silent Hill film. It's not a perfect film, and it doesn't 100% work as an adaptation. But as a standalone movie, it's pretty good. Um, and then this is the 2020 edit that just is a shout out to the shout 2019 shout factories collectors edition that they just say is, is just a huge approve improvement audio commentary with the cinematographer interviews behind the scenes stuff. And, um, with that edition, they decided to bump it up to five out of five. So apparently that was, that was a big deal. Um, I, I almost feel like that's, it's not going to get better than no, and, that's and it, more yeah. comprehensive than that review. Like, and mm -hmm. I, it makes me, makes me happy that that was the most comprehensive and um, kind of thorough representation of someone who understands the scope of the games and what the movie was trying to do, willing to give the movie props for what it is, willing to criticize it as well. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't blame, uh, critics for not playing a fucking video game. Like I don't blame them yeah, for that totally. the same way that like, I don't blame the creators of the movie for trying to appease those people who haven't played it either. So it's like some of this stuff is almost naturally going to be polarizing and making a movie like this. You have to know that not everyone's going to like it when you're right. creating a movie where someone's ripping the skin off of an individual and you have barbed wire, just mutilating people you have to be like uh yeah not everyone's gonna be into this so it's yeah, like all right. you have to know that know that going in and video game adaptations have a certain reputation which was echoed in a lot of these reviews and has been summed up in our series i think very well of like yep. critics apprehension with the, the mere idea of a video game being turned into a movie um they are it's hard to get get them on board is is what what we found and we have yet to find a video game movie that has been more favored by the critics than the audience. So that's, it just goes to speak to the nature of these, these types of movies and, and what we've been doing here. Um, do we, I was going to do, let's do final thoughts. And then I kind of yeah. wanted to, I almost wanted to like rank our video game movies and then, yeah. and then that sounds uh, great. And then we'll move on. Um, do that. you care? Do you want to begin or go, go second? I'll go first because yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I think given what your review might be, um, yeah, I think finishing off with you might be the better move. Um, so what I will say is this is like, you know, and it's something that we'll talk about, um, also after this as well when we rank them is, you know, at its, a video game movie is at its strongest when it is adapting the source material 
the most efficiently. And there's a lot of adaptations of the source material in this movie that is rewarding and people of the franchise will, uh, will be fans of. And obviously they are, cause we've, you know, as we've talked about with the audience review of that person is things perfectly does encapsulate. We don't need to belabor that point because I think that somebody watching this movie was going to go, this is a scary movie. This is a psychological thriller. This was ambiguous. This was cultish. This was, you know, had the kid had the, you fog had uh the monsters and it really checks off a lot of boxes that make this movie yeah not just a a good adaptation of the game but also those things are done with a relative like expertise or a relative care that makes the movie just as a movie uh yeah standalone uh enjoyable for what it is and so yeah i think overall like i'm i'm coming at this movie saying that it i know that this could have been worse and i know that i'm tainted from the resident evil stuff but it was surprising that it wasn't awful and that shouldn't be god that shouldn't be how i should base all my reviews no we're talking about video game adaptations to movies like they the majority like the critics aren't necessarily wrong the majority are pretty fucking awful pretty awful um the ones that aren't polarizing are like just all rated bad (laughs) yeah Totally. So what leaving my review is, is that the monsters in this are really enjoyable and interesting. And that is a fundamental part of the game is to have scary, interesting monsters. It was psychological um, that, yeah, it made you yeah kind of question and think and uh, about, um, yeah, what uh, supernatural powers could exist in a world. And so, yeah, I was on board with a lot of that stuff. I, my, uh, Okay, so the thing that I am going to take, like, my slights against this movie or my overall, like, not not being content and not enjoying this movie is, is that, and it speaks by and large to the video game movies that we've talked about, is, like, so much credit is then attributed to these movies based on how good the source material is. So it's like almost even, you know, because silent Hill games are so fucking interesting and I can do, I'm willing to do the work to go like, Oh, make that connection or like, Oh, I see what they changed here, Mm. which in itself is making me think about how interesting the choice was made in the game. And there's so much forgiving that comes uh, from um, uh, the viewer or the fan of the game, the viewer of the movie, because you're just like, well, I'm uh, fundamentally, and I can really understand a lot with Marvel fans. I guess maybe I can sympathize the most. Some people might be more critical for that reason too. And that's been, you know, Mm -hmm. the situation with fan bases as well. If they don't get exactly right, people get fucking pissed as as well. Right. Absolutely. And yeah, so there's, yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing to embark on to make a video game movie, but this movie, this video game movie is not an inherently terrible video game movie. There are a lot of qualities about it that are worth checking out. Yeah. I don't, obviously it's not going to be for everyone, but the video game isn't either. So you know what I'm going to say just as personal enjoyment and where and how I would like to leave this, leave this movie. And, you know, it really kind of, and I've talked a bit about how I feel about the video game movies that we've done is this movie did enough to represent the video game, which is ultimately what you want. And this movie uh, doesn't fuck up other things hard enough for me to hate it. So I'm going to give this movie a, I'm going to give this movie a 71%. 
you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I, I was like, I like was on the cusp of doing 68, but then I was like, you know what? Like, it, it, it like and in the very like split second at the end of that, I was like thinking it is a relatively concise movie. And that is what pushes me over the edge because you can be so meandering in even movies that aren't video game adaptations, but the fact that it really kind of just not kind of, but <laughs> yeah, just starts on the journey, goes through it. Not a whole lot. You know, you, you, there's not a whole lot of time spent with characters. Maybe that's somewhat of a downside, but overall, like it is a concise movie and I'm going to give it a 71. Feel good about it. You are. It's crazy because, you know, it maybe sounds like I'm making this up or something, but in my mind, this whole time I've been hovering between 71 and 72 as if that like <laughs> means anything that 1%, but I'm like, it's uh, in the 70 range. This movie like is in the 70 range for, for me too. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll just be handholding buds with you. And and I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll jump on the 71, 71 train because, and yeah, that is a one bump up from even, the, even a 70. So it's like not even fully, it's like a little bit, just a little bit higher. It's like, feels very right to me to give that this movie totally. that much credit. And yeah, I, to, to some of our experience, we've kind of already had with video game adaptations you know, there's there's been moments where you don't get given enough to some of the lore of the games, like some of the Uncharted stuff or, or uh, you know, like you don't give it your full time and energy to create the world in like a plus up version like Pokemon. Like it was kind of just pretty much the quality of the show and they didn't do anything super special to like necessarily plus it up to make it movie quality and make it worthwhile to to make a movie. Um, and then, yeah, Resident Evil, which is closely closest in, uh, union with what this movie is in terms of time and subject matter and everything was like the least enjoyable experience because they kind of took elements from it, but almost like distorted what the elements were from the game. So, so badly that it was not an original telling, but just kind of almost a watered down version, which is like the worst parts of this. Maybe there's some watered down stuff or, or different workarounds to make certain things work, but there's also changes that I think are advantageous to the movie. Having the main character be a woman set this whole sort of the thematic element to it that I thought made it just more interesting where, yeah, and whether it be the woman that they came in contact with that also was, you know, I don't know what her deal was. She was part of the cult or she was missing her child as well. She was just, She'd been, she'd been there for a while and she was, um, she kind of knew what the safe spots were or whatever. And it's, and the mom of Alessa. And I, I just thought that in terms of the, the th thematic elements of witches and, yeah. and belief systems placed upon, uh, women, even if they're women that are in charge of, in charge of it as well just added an extra element that maybe wasn't as much in the game. So it made it worthwhile to have like an, int another interesting dynamic, uh, to the movie. And it surprised me after watching the movie to watch some of these, like some ups of the game, how well they nailed some of this stuff from, <laughs> from the game. Right. Like I was really impressed with, I was like, Oh yeah, they're like, there's the cop character, you know, it's, it's the lighter and the way that light works in the game is another thing. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. The rate and the radio stuff and uh, the general overall story, which is very difficult to 
carve into that and and i'd imagine pitching Mm. that as a movie to people of like well can't you just i'd imagine so many meetings of like can't you simplify it can't you make it like and it i think they did a good job at maintaining the core elements of what the game is in a lot of ways better than a lot of pretty much yeah all which i'm spoiling who which one i like the most of the series is this one and it I well, let's it, let's hear it okay. i thought it did the best uh, i already gave my score so that's i mean no uh, yeah totally but, yeah uh i do think this was the best best one with warcraft being pretty close behind too because i thought that one was like glory like having fun and glorifying what was good about the game and understanding that at a, at a base level as like someone who's played it and even watching an interview with the director of silent Hill, he's, he just, there was no bullshit. There was no Paul W S Anderson sort of thing where he just wanted to make it his own and do it. He's like, no, it's like the game was amazing. And I wanted to like express what a great time I had playing this game and how, how it hit me so hard. And there was such a respect for the subject material that like, yeah, it's, it's hard to read some of the critics where it's like, they don't respect the subject material. They're not willing to open their mind to the source material and to hear this, the enthused fan and to see a director who's making it and treating, treating it very seriously uh, made this like a successful adaptation and a successful movie. And one that will stick with me in a lot of ways in the horrific elements of it, the story. um, And in a way that like, I'm excited to see if anything else comes out of this uh world or yeah kojima in in general like i know this is very adjacent to to him and everything but his ideas always always fascinate me and then to finish out my list i'd probably do number three pokemon four uncharted and last one resident evil which yeah it's like you really polar opposites the fucking silent hill on top and resident evil on bottom like this yeah this it's a great example of doing it much better and more successfully than they did resident evil um and for that matter, Monster totally. Hunter, I've seen some of that movie. That movie's dog shit too. Um, but do you want to, you want to throw your ratings out there? Do you, I mean, you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. and then we'll yeah, totally. the next movie. Yeah. So I would put, um, I would put Silent Hill, Warcraft. Um, then I would go Pokemon. Uncharted Resident Evil. Same list. Yeah. We got the same, same list. I think. Yeah, we were magnetized on our list, and that is, I think, our our consensus here. And we have the same score for this movie. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's boring for people to listen to people agree like for a whole. And maybe if people like, I, think <laughs> I people, would like to hope. I think people yeah. enjoy drama more, but I don't. I don't know. We we're, we we got to start fighting more. <laughs> oh, stop! We got to appease no. those. The we're a, we're I, a I'm gonna I'm gonna become the hate that I manifest in myself. I'm gonna create polarized kingdom to become a hate-filled kingdom yes yes brandon i would give <laughs> I mean, into the it, dark side <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know i feel like we're a respite for people who are there's so much drama out there we're yeah. just two dudes agreeing mainly on uh some of the strongest points in mm. movies and strongest uh accomplishments in this series of uh movie adaptations and how they represent the game and yeah so mm. i don't know and i mean I like, if it, yeah i like like not that yeah, I don't know. Like we cut in our own way when we do agree, we kind of cut through the fat of it sometimes and kind of I like when we rest on the on a medium, like a happy little Goldilocks mm. sort of situation. It feels like even though we're rating it higher, I think, than even the audience, the audience rated at 63. We're even mm. more favorable on it. But I feel like we come out kind of I really like taking two sides of things and hearing both sides and then kind of coming out with my own opinion. I feel like 
in a lot of ways, that's the one of the better ways to form an opinion on things. Mm-hmm. And rather, mm-hmm. yeah, rather than just put yourself in an echo chamber with everyone that already agrees with you, it's nice to to read these reviews of things like, oh, well, I patently disagree, or like, oh, I agree with this element, but disagree with that. And uh, that's uh, some of the favorite podcasts that I think both of us yeah. like to listen to as well. So, yeah, totally. um, thank you so much for joining us, everyone, for uh, next week. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Brandini, for, for joining me as well, <laughs> yeah. but, but my best bud. Uh, we are, oh, do you want to announce, do you want to announce this? Yeah. So I'll announce it. So we're going to start. Cause this we, is a, this yeah. is a brand where you're about to step this into is a, a Brandini event. Yeah. This, this is, like is this, a Brandini, PT Brandini circus. <laughs> Get ready. So we are about to embark on a six week long journey. So this is going to get us almost to the holidays and then we'll start doing wow. holiday stuff. Um, Amazing. We are going to be doing a series on the late, the great Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, I, I've been excited Rip. about this because he is obviously such a wonderful person and has done so many fucking movies and not all of them are great. Uh, some of them are polarizing and those are the types of movies that we are. Those are the movies that we are going to be talking about. Hell yeah. Um, I'm excited to go on this journey because it'll be, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm being a little too cavalier about it, but overall I, I'm excited about watching movies that have Robin Williams in it. Cause he is awesome. I so. think it's such a great idea and we haven't done a series on a person yet. The closest person, we come yeah. to is maybe pirates, but that's pirates. That's not J- Jack Sparrow happened to be in the majority, yes, sure. the majority of those. Um, and that was kind of, here and there, but like, this will be really interesting to go through somebody's career and make, and maybe kind of touch on some of the decisions that he made throughout his career, things that were successes, things that were not as much so, or go down in a, in a cult sort of classic sort of way too. some, some of them. And, uh, the breadth of his career will be interesting to, to touch on and him as a person, of course, who is, yeah, he's a legend. He's a legend. Um, and it'll be wonderful to talk about him with uh, many special guests that our great Brandini yeah. has lined up. So get ready, people. Um, our first movie will be 2000, from 2002, Death to Smoochie. Yeah, let's go. A uh, very divisive Robin Williams. Yeah. Joint. And like, and, you know, it's maybe it's not as represented. The score definitely fits fits the bill with a 42 percent from critics and a 66 percent from audiences. But even from conversations of this movie i always remember it being you know polarizing whether you like it like it or don't i'm going to read the synopsis here so you maybe get an idea if you haven't heard of it uh it tells the story of rainbow rainbow randolph the corrupt costume star of a popular children's tv show who is fired over a bribery scandal and replaced by squeaky squeaky clean smoochie played by edward norton a puffy fuchsia rhinoceros as smoochie catapults to fame scoring hit ratings and the effects Affections of a network executive, Catherine Keener. Randolph makes the unsuspecting Rhino the target of his numerous outrageous attempts to exact revenge and reclaim his status as America's sweetheart. There's no other movie like this. I don't think. No, <laughs> this they don't a, make movies like that. Nope. <laughs> it is directed by Danny DeVito as well. Um, so we will be talking about <laughs> this movie. So, so sick. I'm excited next week and 
begin our journey into the mind of Robin Williams and his movies. Uh, Brandini, thank you so much for always being best best co-host I could ever uh, ask ask for the co-host with the most. Um, And if you want to ever watch us live, we stream this on twitch.tv slash polarized pod. If you ever want to join us, jump into chat and have your voice heard. If you want to make your voice heard in other ways, you can reach us on Twitter at polarized pod on, on there. And uh, you can send us a line via email, uh, polarizethepod at gmail.com. Any movie suggestions, ideas for segments, any sort of uh, fan mail? I don't know. Um, And then, yeah, rate, review, subscribe on uh, Apple, iTunes podcast, all that good stuff. I don't know. It's all the the good stuff that helps us uh, keep. Understand how we're doing. Yeah. And keep us connected. Feedback feedback would be be awesome. Join the polar, uh, yeah, the polar kingdom. Love to have you. Polar bears out there. Uh, And we appreciate anyone else, anyone who has uh, listened to us and is listening right now. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yep. Bye bye. Bye bye. Chad? 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 Uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs>